There were two little brothers who were visiting their grandparents, and it came time for bedtime, and they went upstairs with Grandma to say their prayers. And as they knelt at the bed, the littlest one began his prayers, but he began in a really loud tone, almost shouting, Dear God, I need a new iPhone 6. I need an Xbox. I need a new flat screen. And his brother elbowed him, and he says, Why are you shouting? God isn't deaf. He says, no, but grandma is. <laughs> you know, so often I think we do struggle in our prayers. I know I struggle in my prayers that we ask God for things that we think will complete our life, sometimes almost like the great and powerful Wizard of Oz. I need a brain. I need a heart. I need courage, something that will finish out our lives and make us complete, as I said. We struggle with the dichotomies that we live with in our prayer of what is a need versus what is a want. We struggle with dealing with what to ask for. Is it something that is insignificant, that really is this something I need to bother God with versus the things that are life-changing and events that we can only petition God for? We struggle with, as Pastor Mark said last week, that theology of the cross versus glory of realizing that Jesus did say to us, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. But does that mean that we are to have full prosperity in all aspects? Or do we also hear the words that Jesus said, anyone who would follow me, take up your cross. And that a servant is not greater than his master. If I suffer, you will suffer too. We struggle with whether our prayer is God's will or is it not. Or how will he answer us? And it's no wonder then that Paul says in Romans 8, we do not know what we ought to pray for. Isn't that the truth? So often in our prayers, we do not know. How great it is that Paul goes on in that verse to say that the Spirit then intercedes for us, praying for us, helping us because we don't know what to pray for. But truly in Scripture, there are prayers that we can pray. We know that the Lord's Prayer was given to us by Jesus as a model prayer of a prayer that we could say every day and every hour to remind us of the relationship that we have, that we call upon a Father who loves us. And then there are also those prayers, the ones that we've been looking at in this series that Paul prays so that in order that as we pray that something might be done among us as the people of God. Last week we looked at one of those prayers where Paul prayed, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts and that you would have the power of how high and how long, how wide and how deep to know His love. You know, that's a relationship that we have, a relationship that is given to us through the waters of our baptism. A relationship with the one who does give us that spirit to help us to pray, to search our hearts, to lead us to ask for those things that are pleasing to God. Paul prays one of those prayers today in his letter to Philemon. Now, if you don't know the backstory of Philemon and why Paul is writing, Philemon is a brother in the faith. Somebody that has shared many things with Paul, and Paul has heard of Philemon and his work. 
Philemon has a servant, a slave in his house who has run away. Something that would be punishable almost to the extent of death in those days. And that servant, Onesimus, has come to Rome where Paul is in chains by the Emperor Nero. But Paul has some freedom, so Onesimus has met him there, has learned from him. And Paul has been able to present the gospel to Onesimus. And Onesimus then has become converted and become a follower of Jesus Christ. And in that new life realizes the wrong he has done to his master. And so is going back to Philemon. And Paul writes this letter then to Philemon as an entree, but also then to let Philemon know of what Paul's prayers are for him and the prayers that he has for the people of God. And so Paul says the following words, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. Paul has heard, even in Rome, of Philemon's love and faith for Jesus Christ, for all the saints. But Paul extends that besides praying that he has heard about it to one thing more. He's saying, Philemon, I would love that you would know the full knowledge and that your sharing of the faith would be effective. It seems maybe a little strange, but maybe if we look at why Paul might be writing that on the basis of Onesimus coming to him, we might understand it. Pastor Craig Groeschel says the following comments about this. Philemon is a man of God. Paul knows of his love and his faith. He has a house church. He has many coming here. Yet Philemon's servant, a person in Philemon's house that Philemon would deal with every day, has come to Paul, and it is Paul who has had to present the gospel to Onesimus. I'm sure that it is Paul is wondering, why Philemon haven't you presented this gospel to even your servant? He says, I want, Philemon, that the full knowledge of every good thing we have in Christ be shared and be effective with everyone. You know, we pray that prayer for our witness. We need to be the people who share with everyone. And I want to put that verse back on the screen again so that we could look at that. It's one of the more difficult verses that commentaries say to translate what is Paul actually asking here. But I think if we look at it, we can begin to understand that he's saying, so that I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective. The sharing of our faith in that full knowledge of Jesus Christ. You know, there was a Gallup poll that was taken that surveyed Americans. And the survey came back that 86% of most Americans claimed to be Christian. And yet only half of that group that was surveyed knew who it was who had preached the Sermon on the Mount. In that same survey, it was asked how many attended worship on Easter, and about 60% of those who responded said that they were in church on Easter 
Yet one out of four knew what Easter was about. It seems like a lack of the full knowledge of Jesus Christ among us as we share that faith. You see, sharing our faith has to do with what we know about Jesus. Is he loving? Is he caring? Does he offer hope? Does he offer forgiveness? Who do you say Jesus is is the most effective witness that you can give to somebody else because they're looking at you and they want to know about your relationship with the one who has come down. What do we say about him? As we heard in the gospel when Jesus prayed, he said, Father, I know that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of those around me so that they might believe that you have sent me. Do we witness in the full knowledge of Jesus Christ about who he is, the Son of God, the one who has power over life and death, who will bring about the resurrection of the dead on the last day. How is it that we are to share that faith, and how effective are we in that full knowledge of Jesus Christ? You know, long before Alan Greenspan became the chairman of the Federal Reserve, there was a man by the name of Dr. Arthur Burns, who was the chair then of the Federal Reserve. He was Jewish, but still he was invited to a weekly prayer meeting at the White House. And because he was Jewish, those who were leading the prayer meeting didn't want to ask Dr. Burns ever to close that prayer meeting at the end. They didn't want to offend him. Well, it turned out one time that there was a guest who came to lead the Bible study. He didn't know of this unwritten rule, and so he asked Dr. Burns to close that day with prayer. This is the prayer, then, that Dr. Burns offered that day. Oh God, may the day come when all Muslims will come to know Jesus, when all Jews will come to know Jesus, and when all Christians will come to know Jesus. How effective was that group in sharing their faith with Dr. Burns about what they knew about Jesus? This isn't a conversation that should be new to any of us. It's a conversation that hopefully we have every week as we come together about sharing our faith with one another, about sharing our faith with those who are far off. And the number one reason that's given for people not to share their faith is fear. Fear for some of the following things. Fear that people say, I'm afraid I'll do more harm than good. I'm afraid that I won't know what to say. I'm afraid that if somebody asks me one of those really difficult questions, I won't have an answer. I'm afraid that I'll come off as narrow-minded when I say that Jesus is the only way to salvation. I'm afraid that I might invade someone's privacy. I'm afraid that I might fail in my attempt, and I'm afraid because I know my life, and I might look like a hypocrite. Yes, fear is one of those things that keeps us from sharing our faith with those around us. And fear is not a spirit that is given to us from the Lord. For the scriptures say we have not been given a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of strength, of the knowledge of the Lord. Fear comes from the devil wanting us to shrink back 
from this duty, from this gift that we have been given in Jesus Christ to share our faith with those around us. But there's something else that Paul names that we need to have, something that he recognizes in Philemon's life, and that also is love. We need to have the love for those around us, Love that doesn't come from within us, but love that comes from outside of us, from the power of Jesus Christ living in us. In order to have enough love to risk the relationship with someone that we know and overcome those fears that we might have. That kind of love is so different than the love that we experience in the world. And Luther writes to us when he talks about what that love truly is, the love that compels us to care for those around us. He says this, it's easy to love somebody that we know and that we might esteem versus loving someone that we don't care for. That kind of love, the kind of love is based in the world. It's based on and in us. It's not the true love that comes from Jesus Christ. The world holds on to that kind of love. Love that's based in beauty or wealth or stature. That's love of an object and it clings to what benefits can come from it. It's the kind of love that lasts only as long as it's beneficial to us. But the love that Paul is talking about comes from the heart and from our relationship with Christ. It does not dry up or stop. It is not interested in what I get from my relationship with you or what you bring to the table. Its, the, its source is the Word of God, that full knowledge of Christ which has been firmly placed in my heart by Him. This love flows in abundance to everyone who needs it the good, the bad, friends, and even and especially to enemies. Because this love that wants no, this is the love that wants no one to be lost, everyone to be saved and be redeemed as I have been redeemed from my sins, the devil and the world. And to know what we have in Christ Jesus to that full knowledge. We have been given that kind of love Love that surpasses fear. Love that reaches out to those around us. Love that will risk the relationship in order to ensure that the person that we love might know of the freedom that comes through Christ Jesus, our Savior. I want to ask you a question. If Jesus came today to your house to be with you, would you run out immediately and tell every neighbor and every person that you came in contact with to come and to see and to meet Jesus at your house? I think the answer would be yes, of course you would. You would want everyone to see him. So how do we go about making sure that we can let others meet that same Jesus that we know and love in our hearts? You know, that's one of the things that I think we often say here, is to reach out to someone around us and bring them here. Bring them to church so that they can meet the Jesus that you meet every week. But it would mean that you believe that in this place you truly do meet the Lord and Savior of the universe. That you hear of His forgiveness and His wonders. That you know that He is ever with you and present that the hearts of those that you will bring would be touched by hearing the message of the gospel 
and that they will be different from what they have experienced here. You see, this is the prayer that we pray, the prayer that Paul has offered so that the sharing of our faith might be effective in that full knowledge of Jesus Christ, our Savior. It is a prayer we can be sure of that we know is in concert with God's will, a prayer that He has given and led us by the Spirit, a prayer that comes from the love He has placed in our hearts, a prayer that we can offer to those around us. Jesus has come into this place and touched each one of our lives with his grace and his forgiveness. We have been transformed forever by his power and his love. He asked us on that mountain when he ascended to go into all the world, to make disciples, to teach what he has commanded, to baptize and create the relationship with him of love that he has created with you and with me. May we pray that prayer of effectiveness always so that others may hear of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Be transformed like Onesimus was and come to that knowledge to share in the faith with us and the glory and the riches that Christ has given us from his death on the cross. May we be faithful in that task. Amen.